Okay, it's really good to see everybody. Um, we're back in our uh, uh, class on the life of Christ and the harmony of the Gospels. Um, for those of y'all who are new in our group, uh, we I kind of do a quick review just to remind everybody what we're learning. A uh, The life of Jesus Christ, Jesus is eternal. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things are made through Him. And without him is not anything made that was made. And so Jesus is not only a man born of a virgin, but he is also the God-man. He is fully 100% God, and he is fully 100% man. And that is hard for me and you to grasp because we're, we're not gods, we're just men. And so uh, the reality is, is that the Holy Spirit placed him inside of the womb of the Virgin Mary, and he was born onto this earth. He clothed himself in human flesh, and walked among us so that we could know who he is, so that we could relate to him. And without him doing that, without him clothing himself in humanity and walking among us, we would have never been able to truly grasp uh, who he is and know him. So he, he descended to our level so that we could understand and appreciate and love him and follow him. And so in his earthly life, his life is eternal. There's no beginning or end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. But in the earthly life of Jesus, from the time that he was placed in the womb of the virgin until the day that he died on the cross, was buried in the grave. Three days later, he rose. And then he, he walked the earth for about 40 days after uh, his, ascent, uh, his resurrection. And then he ascended into heaven. And right now, he's sitting at the right hand of our Father in heaven, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool, right? He's, he died on the cross and staked the claim on his kingdom at the cross, and now that kingdom is coming to fruition before our uh, very eyes, more re in reality, before our very hearts, because a lot of the things of the kingdom we can't see with our, our physical eyes. It says that uh, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, but his work on the cross is playing out right now around us all over the world. Uh, he, he and his father sent their spirit, the spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, to be among us so that we could continue to be uh, convicted of our sins and convinced of his work on the cross and confirmed it as his children, saved by the Holy Spirit. And so that work is still carrying out today. But there was a time for 33 and a half-ish years where Jesus was 100% man, 100% God, and walking the earth so that we could know him. And when you read the books of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and the first two chapters of Acts, you get a thorough picture of, well, not a thorough, but you get the, the complete picture of who Jesus is and, and, and his earthly body. And uh, we, so we've been studying this harmony of the Gospels. What that means is Matthew had some perspective on Jesus' life, Mark, Luke, John. They all had their different views and pictures of who he was. And then the Holy Spirit inspired them to remember and write what they wrote so that one day later um, you and I could know him. Turn really quick. Keep your finger in Mark chapter 7. That's where we're going to be today. But turn really quickly with me to the book of John. John chapter 20. Uh, John chapter 20, and let's look at verses 30 and 31. This is something that you can remind yourself of as you read your Bible, okay? And this is what it says in John chapter 20, 
verses 30 and 31. Everybody found that? Mark, it's just a couple of pages to the right of where you are now in the book of Mark. Okay? So, so it's just... Um, uh, Mark, that's John chapter 20. Luke, right after Luke, is John. The next one. John. And John, and then find John 20, there's 19. Uh, John 20. And look at verses 30 and 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Now today we're going to be looking at some of Jesus' signs or some of Jesus' miracles. That's going to be a part of our lesson today. But what John is saying is, John 20, verse 30 and 31. Sorry. Okay. You got it? Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. All right? But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. All right? So why did the disciples write what they wrote? So that we could hear about Jesus, so that we could believe in Jesus and so that we could be saved. The Bible says salvation comes by faith and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So as we study the harmony of the Gospels... Uh, well, Mike can't hear. Who? Well, I said, I, I, that's what I like hearing. Oh. reading. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so as we read the harmony of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, actually as we read the whole Bible... We are have, hearing God's message to us as people. He he wrote, he had these things written he, um, by inspired writers, people inspired by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote so that we could hear about him, so that we could, in hearing, receive him, and receiving him, believe him, and in believing him, have eternal life. And so the only way to know eternal life is through his word. And that's why it's so important for you to be in his word. That's one of the main reasons that Lori makes sure that this crowd is here every Tuesday for Bible study so that we can continue to grow in his word. And so look at it one more time. Many other signs which Jesus performed in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. So there was lots of things that Jesus did that never got written about. And one day when we're in heaven, we'll hear about those things, you see. But what we're reading today are those things that were written that disciples saw that they felt were important for us to know and how to know Jesus. So back to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. And if you remember last time we were together, um, we talked about how Jesus said that the reason that we act and the reason that we talk and the reason that we feel and the reason that we think the things that we do, the reason we act the way we act, the reason we walk the way we walk, the way we talk the way we talk, The reason we feel the way we feel is because our hearts, our inner man, our inner being, is what drives us and makes us who we are. Remember? And last time we were together, what did Jesus say? He said, um, um, Mark chapter 7, verse 21, For within, out of the heart of men, proceeds evil thoughts and fornications and theft and murders and adulteries and deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit and sensuality and envy and slander and pride and foolishness. 
All of these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. They make us dirty. To be defiled means to be contaminated. Unpure. Huh? Unpure. Exactly. And so, what is the source of our problems? Our heart. I was just uh, reading an article this morning on the social media that our mayor, uh, Mayor Johnson, uh, put out. And he's addressing the issue of gun violence in the city of Savannah. We've had a lot of shootings over the last three weeks. I mean, like a lot of people have been killed. As a matter of fact, we had um, in one neighborhood over down the street a couple weeks uh, last week, had people come in and shoot up the neighborhood, and they hit nine people, including some kids. Maybe nine people. Yeah. And... Uh, two people of those seven that were hit by bullets died, and it's not doesn't take much of a man to fire into a house on this and unarmed people, does it? But he was a, the mayor was addressing, and and when I say this, listen, I like the guy. I think he's a nice guy, and I think he's actually sincere about what he wants to do about helping the city of Savannah. But he was addressing our need to address the gun control issue that we need to control guns. But the reality is this: it's not guns that shoot people. People. It's people that shoot people. Right, and those are illegal guns, and they're wanting to control legal guns. Now, ridiculous. That, well, that, that politics aside, <laughs> which I would love to get into that, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you, but politics aside, it is the human heart. It is an evil, wicked human heart that causes someone to pick up a firearm yeah. and shoot into an innocent home. <clears throat> okay? So you can blame it on the music that they're listening to. You can blame it on their poverty. You can blame it on their culture. You can blame it on whatever you want to blame it on. The reality is the issue is the heart. heart. I just never could understand how you could look at somebody full of trigger knowing you're taking their life from Well, so I, I want to expound on what Lori just said. The reality is how many of us in this room were caught up in drug addiction? I was. Right. We were firing violence into our own bodies weren't we we were destroying ourselves which is just as bad as destroying others and so the truth of the matter is so the mayor said you know we need we need to do gun control and i said well here's the problem we got a city that is overrun and and uh uh, sexual uh, promiscuity homosexuality uh drunkenness uh divorce broken and fragmented homes rebellion and what this city needs is not gun control what they need is they need Jesus they need to repent because God has turned this city and this country over to our own lust and our own desires and the Bible actually teaches us that one of the ways that God punishes us um, we think of Sodom and Gomorrah and him pouring fire and brimstone down on the world that's what we think of when we think of punishment and he is very capable of doing that but the truth but of the matter is, one of the better ways that he actually punishes us is by removing his hands of restraint off of us and turning us over to our own desires. Yeah. And every one of you in this room can agree with me that when I am turned over to myself, hmm. I am a train wreck. And so what do you see going on around you in this world? You see a world who has been turned over to their own lust and their own desires. They've been, God has removed his hands of restraint off of evil, and that evil is ramping up and getting worse. That's that free will. And and worse and worse. That's why he sent the blood, right? The first generation was reprobate. Yes, yes. To to show the world his 
uh, his stance on evil and wickedness. It said the world was desperately wicked. He said, I'm about to wipe it out. But he swore, but he swore the rainbows he would never do it again. No, he swore that he would never destroy it with water again. But in Peter, he says there's going to be another flood coming one day. Oh yeah. And that flood is going to be fire that's going to melt the that's going to melt the very elements. In other words, the very <coughs> atom and proton and molecule that make up this created order that we have is going to be melted into a fervent heat and a fervent heat. And so, in the same way that Noah and his family had to be inside of that ark to be safe from the flood of water. Mm-hmm. The Bible teaches me and you that we have to turn from sin and self and run to Christ and be wrapped in Christ because when that destruction is poured back out on this world again, it is only those who are embraced in his work on the cross that are going to be saved from that wrath to come. And so we're to flee from it. We're to run from it. And so we learned last week, and it's hard for us to realize that because it's very... In our fallen nature, in our own wickedness, it's very easy for me to go around and tell you what's wrong with you. It's very easy. One of the things that I've noticed a lot, it, it, it doesn't tickle me. It, it, it's an amazing thing to see. But I work in drug and alcohol rehab every day. Six days a week I'm working with people who are struggling with drugs and alcohol. And one of the things that I've noticed in a drug and alcohol rehab uh, setting is that, number one, there's a lot of camaraderie. People have empathy and compassion for one another when they're caught up in that setting. Right. Right? And number two, they also have plenty of advice for everybody else. Right? Now, what, now, what, now what does Jesus say about that? When the blind lead the blind, right. they will both fall in the ditch. And so why is it that we want to offer advice to everybody else so that we don't have to deal with our own issues? It's kind of a way of me taking the splinters out of your eyes instead of worrying about the log in my own. You see how that works? And so uh, Jesus last week was very clear to let us know that it's not the things that are done externally that cleanse us. It's the work of God and the Holy Spirit that cleanses our insides. And if the insides become clean, what is going to happen to the outside? The outside will become clean as well. It's a battle. It is a battle. But the battle belongs to the Lord. Yes. And as long as we're depending really like on... Tonight, right? I try to handle everything on my own. I need to be asking God for help every morning. Right. So with that said, we're going to look at a couple of the signs that Jesus worked on. Um, in front of his disciples. Um, so look in uh, uh, John, uh, Mark chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 24 through 37 today, all right? Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 37. It says, Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre, or Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape their notice. All right, we got to take time out. The vacation Bible school crowd is coming by. Right. It's okay. Just they're kids being kids. They are. Yeah. Going into the room All right. The way. So let's let vacation Bible school pass. And now they're silent, and so we can begin again. Okay. They're not silent. They're just behind the door. Oh, yeah. What is? All right. Yeah. Kids are not silent. That's exactly right. And so. Uh, Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre and Tyre and when he entered into a house he wanted no one to know of it yet he could not escape notice all right think about that 
Um, Why, I wonder, did he not want? That's, we're we're going to discuss that right now. That's a really good question. So, uh, help me out. Why? Well, we've learned something in our study of the life of Christ. We learned that there was three types of people, or, or we, we, we pointed out three types of people that were following Jesus around in the crowds. There was three groups of people that were following him. Does anybody remember any of the what 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 separated the different kind of people that was following Jesus? Well, some of them just wanted what he could give them. Like good, good. That's exactly right, John. Uh, uh, Michael. So he said, "That's what he said. He said, you do not seek me uh, because uh, of what I'm teaching you. You seeking me, uh, seeking me because I I fed you. I put bread in your belly." Remember we talked about that last week, how a lot of people go to church just because they have a covered dish dinner, right? Oh, free dinner? All right. Yeah, I'll, we have food yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll put up with 45 minutes of some man talking up there on the stage if, if they're going to give me a good meal, right? And so a lot of people were following him because of the material blessings that came from following him, right? Well, technically, that's still a sin. Hmm? Well, technically, that's still a sin. Well... Yeah, it could be. It could be. But remember, some of those people that saw his miracles actually uh, continued to follow him and by hearing his words became believers. We've, we've been very adamant about it, uh, reminding you that just because you see miracles does not make you a believer. That's right. Because there was another group of people that were just following him not for the food but just for the excitement. To my point about the food... Sometimes they come for the food. They hear the word of God, and something changes inside of them. Yes, because it's the Not word. Everybody. So it's the word of God that changes them. Yes. But what you bait them with is what you will win them with. Hmm. All right. So um, if I were to go, I got a little box trap at my house sometimes, and if I put tuna fish in that okay. box trap and put it out in the yard. I'm probably going to catch what? A kid. Skinny cat or a raccoon. All right. Why? Because they like fish. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. So what you bait the trap with is probably going to determine what you catch. And if the only reason that people are coming to the church for the food, what happens when the food cuts off? Mm. They fall on the ground. They, quit. they disappear. They fall by the yeah. See, what if you? I, I hear people say this all the time. Um, well, I really like that church because they got really good music. They actually have a band with a bass and a lead guitar yeah, and a drum. And so they like and they they come for the music. All right. Well, what happens when the music stops? Yeah. I, I got they one that don't want to come because huh? they the stop music. coming. Yep, they stop coming. He wants the bass guitar and all this. And the word Jesus is the real reason. Right. So. The, who is Jesus looking for? In John 4, he said this. The hour is coming and now is when God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So who are the ones that he's truly looking for? The ones that he is drawing to himself through his spirit, through the word of God. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's He to does say, draw us, though. I, I, I remember a hunger to, to want to learn a, a need to be at Bible study while I was in drug court. And I knew I was supposed to be there, and I would do anything I do to, to make it to the church to get into Bible study. 
there was an insatiable need. Yeah, but it was but insatiable. It wasn't that. It wasn't as <clears throat> like that before. It became that. Okay, but it was the insatiable need was the evidence of him drawing you to him. You, yes, exactly. All right. And that insatiable need did not involve the cookies. It didn't involve any food. Right. Now, I'm not knocking there. you for the cookies y'all had today for lunch. They're very they good. They were good. And the people that are making these sack lunches for you guys are very loving people, and they right. care about you, and they want you to have some food. And there's nothing in the world wrong with giving somebody food, especially somebody that's hungry. Right. But we have to understand that there is a motive behind everybody's actions and so these different crowds that are following Jesus one of the groups just wants some food one of the groups just wants to see something new and exciting hey did you see he went he just casted some demons out of people or he just raised a dead man from the grave right or uh, and then but then there was another group that was truly drawn to him that was following him that were believers they had received him and believed him and were following him but weren't there naysayers I mean one part of one of those groups Trying to catch him and doing something wrong. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was another group, the, the unbelievers, that, yeah. that were, yeah. the scribes and the Pharisees. All right, so all of those groups are following him everywhere. And you can think about that today in, in our modern world. Think about some of the famous people in the world that can't go anywhere. They, they can't just go out and have a meal sitting around at a table with their family in a restaurant setting because everybody's coming around snapping pictures of them with their phone and wanting their autograph. Right, so what do they do? They, they they put hats on and sunglasses on and and you know and and they walk try, around all quietly and go to places yeah, that try, nobody knows. They try to disguise themselves <clears throat> in the world. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because and so they remember, Jesus is one hundred percent God, but he's also one hundred percent a man. And he, we do know that his he had a a, a, a constant prayer life with his father he was constantly praying and there were times in the scriptures where it tells us that he was drawn away that he went away to to pray with his father and he wanted to get by himself where it was quiet and there were other times where he would tell his disciples he said come on guys we're getting out of here for a little while because he knew that his disciples needed rest they needed time away from their work and so he was a man and he there was times where he wanted to be away from the crowd where he wanted to get some rest, where he wanted to spend some time personally <laughs> discipling his his closest disciples. He wanted time to, to take time to to uh, spend alone with his father. And he he constantly told people, don't he would heal folks, and this is what he'd say, don't tell anybody about this. You know? Don't don't say anything. Why? Because he knew that there was that group of people that were going to just come and chase after him just to see something. Mm-hmm. All right, right. And so he was—he had a celebrity status, like everywhere he went. Hey, there's that guy that stood up to the Pharisees and the scribes. Hey, there's that guy that raised Lazarus from the dead. Hey, everybody, look, there's that guy that was throwing demons out of people the other day. Like he's a miracle worker and and you can see that today with all of the fake charlatans that we have in the world today like the Benny Hens of the world and all these television evangelists that are always doing all these miracles and making people fall over and you, you see that so what do you see when you see one of those preachers big crowds <clears throat> there's always big crowds around why because they're there for the spectacle of it and so it says he he entered a house he wanted no one to know of it I see big fakes. Who? Big fake people. Yeah, they are fake. That's exactly right. Um, and our problem is, is 
we don't really have the ability to discern the difference between them. What is the guideline that God has given us so that we can know if someone is real or not? If someone is true disciple? There's really not a whole lot other than that if they don't speak the words of God, they're, they're not of God. And so what these false, fake preachers do is they, they use the Word of God, but they use it for their own benefit. Yeah. Right? They twist it around. and, and That's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. And we're, we're, hey, we're, listen, we're very good at that too. Yeah. yeah because uh, you know, how many people you see walking around with a t-shirt on that says... Oh, yeah. Huh? Addicts are the best manipulators. Yeah. And how many times have you seen somebody walking or an athlete walking around with a, a t-shirt on that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Yeah. And they, they're yeah. using that to say they can run fast or catch a ball good or shoot a hoop or, or lift <laughs> a lot of weight or, you know, do because. these. Right? And that's not what Paul was ta- talking about when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was saying, I've been beat up, locked up in jail, nearly killed, shipwrecked. Uh, had my body beaten, like, and and then I've had times in my life where I've had plenty of material things too. And so Paul said, whether I be poor and broken, busted, or on top of the world, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what he recognized was it wasn't his circumstances in life that caused him to be who he was. It was his God who was in his heart. And he didn't allow the circumstances to affect his hope that he had in Christ. So that I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me is not being talking about being able to bench 400 pounds. What it's talking about is are you able to trust God and walk with God when the bank account's empty? Are you able to, to uh, walk with God and trust God when you get that bad medical report? Are you able to walk and trust God when the world spits in your face and all of your friends and your family and the people that you care about uh, reject you because you're walking a different walk now. Can you do all things through Christ who strengthens you? You see? And if my trust is in Christ, then, well, pardon the expression, but to hell with the world. Right. That's true. You know, if if he's in me and walking with me, I need to walk with him. And what did he say? Flee the wrath to come. Remember Lot's wife. Don't turn back to that old life that you used to live. Turn away from it and walk away from it. And so, uh, turned so anyhow, we we went on a rabbit trail. Lord, would be very proud of us for that. We went way down a rabbit hole. But um, verse 25, but after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. All right. Very important there. It said, what did she do? She, after hearing of him. All right. Now, remember what did we say? Salvation comes by hearing, yeah. hearing the word of God. So what, what did she do? Hey, I... I need to tell you about this guy, Jesus, who's casting demons out of people. This woman who has a daughter who has a possessed child says there's somebody who can throw demons out of people, right? She hears about Jesus and uh, immediately came and fell at his feet. All right, now we've talked about this in the past too. Um, There's a lot of the religions out there in the world that do not believe that Jesus is God. Jehovah's Witnesses... Um, the Mormons believe he is a God. They don't believe that he is the God. And uh, the oneness Pentecostals do not believe that Jesus is God. They believe that he is uh, God's son, but that there is only one God and, and not a triune God. 
So there are a lot of people out there. Pentecostals don't believe. One is Pentecostals. Yeah, they baptize in the name of God, not the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They believe that God is one, and the Trinity is a false teaching. So, Mm -hmm. but anyhow, there's there's a lot of groups. The Muslims believe that Jesus. The the Muslims believe that Jesus is a um, is a prophet, but they do not believe that he is God. Um, The uh, Buddhists believe that he is a Buddha, uh, an enlightened one, but they don't believe that he is God. So the only people in the world that claim that Jesus is God is the born again blood, blood ball child God. They're the ones that believe that Jesus is God. And so one of the conclusive evidences that Jesus believes that he is God is his receiving of worship when people fall down at his feet. Remember, what is Jesus' religion? Catholic. No, no, Michael, he is not Catholic. Rome did not come around until about uh, 400 years after Jesus walked the earth. But the church at Rome, not not Rome being the church, but the church at Rome. Okay. So the Jewish faith? Huh? The Jewish, Jewish. He was Jewish. That's exactly right. And so, what were the guidelines for the Jewish faith? Um, Moses and the. Ooh. Ten Commandments. Yes. Yes. So yeah. every little Jew boy grew up being able to quote the Ten Commandments. Yes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Because he was an idol. Because it was an idol, Michael. Right? Says, you don't bow down to statues and idols and images, Michael. I'm just picking on my cat's <laughs> buddy over here, but they would not bow to those statues. Why? Because they were Jewish and. Their God said, do not no. make any statues, images, idols of anything in the creation or on the earth, anything that looks like anything in the creation, and bow down and pray to it as if it's God. Worship it as because God. Because it's been right. created. Remember? And they literally got thrown in a fire furnace because they refused to bow and, and worship Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Mm-hmm. And God protected them in that. Well, it was the same thing with Daniel. Remember, Daniel would go up and pray every day, and, and, and he got in trouble for praying because nobody was supposed to pray to anybody except the God with a little g, the God Nebuchadnezzar, or, uh, Nebuchadnezzar right? He, the only one uh, that he was supposed to pray to was God alone, and that's who we would pray to. So, Jesus grew up. He's actually, I, I got a little spoiler alert for you. He is actually the one that handed Moses the Ten Commandments on the Mount at Mount Sinai, right? So, he's literally the one that wrote them, right, himself. He wrote them with the finger of God. He wrote them. And he's the one that handed it to So if anybody knew the Ten Commandments, it was, Jesus. it was Jesus. All right. Well, we've seen over and over again where people come and fall down and worship him. Now, if he was not God and he's a good Jew, what would he tell somebody that fell down and worshiped yeah. him? Yeah. Get up. You don't worship me. I'm just a man like you. That's what all of the angels would say. Yes, that's true. Remember? Uh, when they rolled the stone, well, they were afraid of the angels. Fear not. Angels are very scary things. And there's times in the Bible where people would fall down in front of an angel. And you know what the angels say? Get up. Didn't they do I'm that a, I'm a, at the grave? No. They, they did when that did they do that? I remember reading that. Uh, they did it in Revelation. In the book of Revelation, it tells us that they fell down. Uh, John fell down. And the angel said, get up. 
said, um, I'm a creature, I'm a servant just like you. We all worship the Creator, and that's all we worship. Okay? And so, by Jesus simply receiving these people's worship, he's claiming that, that he believes he's God. Mm-hmm. He's receiving their worship. Even his angels won't let people do that. Yeah, right. But the angels will bow before him, and we all will bow before him. So it's a sign of reverence to him, but he receives that worship. And so uh, the other religions can say whatever they want. And there's a lot of people that believe that Jesus was, you know, uh, a prophet, etc., etc. Yeah, a holy man, but holy, but holy, but he was not God. And this is one of the major proofs that he believes he's God because he received their worship. All right, so uh, he, she came and fell down at his feet, and the woman was a Gentile of the Seraphonician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But he answered, she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon having left. All right, now, it's really important. This woman is not Jewish. She's a Gentile. And what you'll find is, in Jesus' earthly ministry, he came first to who? Jews. The Jewish people. He came to his own people. That's what it says in John 1. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Mm-hmm. They believed him not. He came to his own, and his own believed him not. But to all of those who did receive him, to all of those who believed on his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. And so Jesus came and, and offered the kingdom to his people, the Jews, but the kingdom he offered didn't look like the kingdom they wanted. So what did they do? They spit on him and they rejected him and they crucified him. All right. Now, after he died, for the next 40 days after he resurrected, he spent more time with his disciples. But his commission to his disciples was to go out into all of the earth and share the gospel. Right. And so at Acts, in the book of Acts, at Pentecost, that's Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus, uh, his resurrection, uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the people at the temple in Jerusalem. Remember? Mm-hmm. And then what happened? All of these people from all of these different places, they were, now they were all Jewish, but they all had different languages because they were scattered out. They were Jewish people that was living all over the known world at that time. They had different languages. They came to the temple to worship. And what happens? Um, they get saved. And so now what's going to happen? Now they're going to go back out to all of the world. And who's going to start hearing the message? Not only the Jews, but the Gentiles. Now, there was Gentiles being saved all through the Bible. Right? First of all, from Adam to Abraham, there was no such thing as a Jew before Abraham, right? So all of those people were Gentiles, and there was plenty of people that got saved then. All right? Then, what about during Abraham's time? Y'all remember um, the... uh, Rahab, the harlot, 
Remember? Yeah, in Jericho? Yeah. She hid the disciples. She was a non, uh, Jew. Um, what about uh, Naaman? You remember the guy with leprosy that came uh, to and got healed from his yeah. leprosy? Right. Yeah. Right? And so all through the Bible, you'll see Gentiles, people that are not Jewish, following Jesus. Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God of Israel. So it's not like there weren't people being saved. It just wasn't the masses. But from the time of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and started living in people, and that message got spread to all of the world, what started happening? Well, we meet a guy named Paul, or Saul, the apostle to the Gentiles. And what happened was, he was the most Jewish person you would ever want to meet. He had a triple PhD in Judaism. Like he, he was one of the most scholarly Jewish people that you would ever want to meet. And what did God do? Not be blind, saved him, and then sent him out to preach to the Gentiles. So you have Peter and James and John and the Jews in Jerusalem preaching to the Jews, and then you had Paul going out to preach to the Gentiles. And so what one of the things the Bible teaches us is that God's plan all along was for his own people to reject him. They would reject him, he would turn to the Gentiles. And what would the Gentiles do? Receive, Receive him. And then the next part of the plan is the Jewish people look and go, wait a minute, that's our Messiah. You can't have him. And they get jealous and, and they, they turn wanted, back to him and receive Yeah, him. they want to sit there and take you back. And that's what you see happening right now in the world all around you. You see Messianic Jews. You see Jewish people who are actually turning back, back to, to Messiah. God. Right. So what is the plan in the end? For all of Israel to be saved. But who is Israel? All of God's people. All of the chosen ones. You see? And if you read Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, you'll see that, that Paul is describing that mystery, that beautiful plan that God has in place. And so this young woman is not a Jew. But she hears about Jesus and she comes to Jesus. And what will help make this story make a little more sense is the Jewish people as a race had an attitude towards the rest of the world. It was a wrong attitude, but it was an attitude nonetheless. And what was that attitude? They were saying, We're chosen. We're better than you. We have God and you don't. You're a bunch of filthy goy. The word goy, the Hebrew word for dog. Goyim, when you put an I-M on the end of a Hebrew word, it makes it plural. So if they were to call us Goyim, if a Jew was to come in his room right now and call us Goyim, what would he be saying? We're dogs. Okay. Bulldogs. We're Georgia Bulldogs. (laughs) Unfortunately, we have Florida Gators in here too, but we'll forgive them. Yes. (laughs) All right. So he answered and said... uh, he said to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread. What is bread? What did Jesus just tell us about last time we were together, or a couple weeks ago when he bread fed? The bread of life. Yeah. All right? The, his body, his words, his promises, his truth. And so what is he saying? It's not good to throw the bread to the dogs. Right? To the goyim. 
to the goy. That's exactly right. Now, now think about this. What's so funny about it? How many of y'all remember as kids you had a dog around the table and somebody, dog, your mom or somebody, get on to you because you could not slip the food down to Fluffy, you know? We always did that. My granddad used to always fuss at us about feeding Ginger his all uh, his cocker spaniel. It, you know, she, she it, it, don't give her no food, but the whole time, what's he doing? Feeding her. She was big around as a, an elephant. He, all, he didn't want us feeding her, but he, he was constantly slipping her food, you see. So don't, the, what do the dogs do? They lay around the table, and my dog is very good. If I spill something on the floor, she will lick it up. Right? I, I still go get it. What was your dog's name? Uh, Kayla. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you spill something on the floor, and what would she do? Especially if it's sweet, she knows she ain't supposed to have chocolate or anything. But bang. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Don't you give her no chocolate? I know. It fall on the floor. But so the point is, I really don't even need to get a rag and and Windex and clean clean the spot, but I still do, don't I? Because she licks it all up. So dogs are very good at whatever we drop. They get it. And so what does Jesus say? This message, it's not good for me to give my bread the dogs but listen well, to her feed the children first so he's talking about i give my gifts to the jews first and not throw them to the dogs right isn't that what it says what he's doing is he's saying it's not good for children. me to throw my bread to the dog so in in essence what is he calling her Adults. now watch but let watch. the children be fed first for it is not right for the children's bread to be given to dogs yes. all right but look how she answers him and she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed off the children's crumbs. Mm-hmm. All right? So, in essence, what do you call a female doll? All right? If you were to, if you call a girl that, what is going to be her reaction to you? She's going to slap the crap her. You're going to get a fight. You see? All right? But what is this? Why not you what rock is, out, bloody stuff? <laughs> watch. What is this woman's reaction to being called a doll? I am a dog. Yeah. I'm not worthy. Right. But even the dog gets some crumbs. Right. You see? So what does it show you? When we are desperate, when we are broken, her own daughter is is being destroyed by this (laughs) filthy, wicked demon. And she's heard that this man can help her daughter out. So you you read about a lot of demons back then and how to get, well, the Bible... And so, but we don't, we don't, we don't read about that nowadays. The demons and folks. Yet we can, I can. I can promise you they're around. Yes. Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spirits and powers and principalities and princes of the dark. We, 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 there's a spiritual battle going on all around us all the time. And there, there is, there definitely. Oh yeah. Sometimes I wonder. Now to tie all of that together, um, uh, the. One of the things that we need to understand is is that from the time of the Holy Spirit being poured out until today, the kingdom of God is being proclaimed to the world. And in the book of the Revelation, it tells us in uh, Revelation uh, 20, it says that for a time that Satan would be bound so that he could no longer deceive the nations. So what is the purpose of the binding of Satan? So that he can no longer deceive the goy, the nations, all right? So, remember, before uh, Pentecost, who was Jesus reaching out to? Man. The Jewish people. And so, who was in darkness? Man. All of the rest of the world. 
But Jesus' death on the cross and his claiming of the kingdom has now bound the devil. Now that doesn't mean the devil's not still running around and is still wicked and still doing bad things. But God has bound him so that he can no longer keep the nations in the darkness. You see? He's put a restraint on him so that the light can go out to all of the world. Now, the Bible actually teaches us that near the end, right before Jesus comes back, that he's going to be let loose for a little season. So what's going to obviously happen right before Jesus comes back? The evil is going to ramp up because he's coming back out. With a vengeance. With a vengeance. And so a lot of the spiritual stuff that you see going on there in in, in Jesus' time... Mm -hmm. Jesus had come to establish his kingdom and the devil was raising up trying to do whatever he could to stop it from happening. So not only oh, that, I see but, what you're saying. but I get it. But Jesus actually, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people walking around us today that are possessed right. and oppressed by the devil that we would never even know. Right. Or some that so we do some know. Some that you do know. Yeah. yeah. And and so uh, the demons in the Bible were debilitating. <clears throat> They, they. I think that a lot. I think a lot of the. I think there's. I think that a lot of people that are struggling with drugs and alcohol are demons possessed. I think that a lot of. A lot of. Cocaine is the devil. Like a lot of you, pretty much can see, because if you have the spirit in you, like they can see, they can, they can pretty much feel, um, your pre- the presence of God, because they kind of like they'll sit there and tell you, that they can. They can, they can feel um, the presence of God inside of you and it makes them nervous and it makes them back off. Well, God does put a seal on his people and they're protected. Uh, it's not that we can't be oppressed by the devil, but we certainly can't be possessed. And he will, God does protect his people. Yes. And the enemy knows that. Yes. There's no doubt about it. But there's no doubt in my mind that a lot of, especially a lot of the psychological and mental cases that, that I deal with, there's no doubt in my mind that a lot of it's spiritual. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, you see it. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of it. Uh, uh, so, anyhow. And, and it is debilitating. Let's, um, let's go ahead and wind up the lesson. So, he said to her, because of this answer, go, the demon is gone out of your daughter. So, what did he do? He heals her. But why is he saying because of your answer? Because her reaction to being called a dog is what? One of humility and submission. What would a real dog do? Bite you. Yes. Are you with me? Right. Right. See how that works. So by calling her a dog, it's basically a test to see her reaction. To see her reaction. And what is her reaction? She yields and submits and says, yeah, I may be a dog god, but I need some crumbs. Right. There, there's a proverb, uh, old proverbial statement. Where, hey, throw a guy a crumb. You know what I mean? Like, hey, let me a hand. Give me a little help here. Right. Yeah. Throw me a bone. <laughs> right. Throw me a bone. We're a dog. That's right, Mom. So uh, he said to her, because of your answer, go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back um, to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, and the demon left her. Now that's that's. There's one of the, at least the second time that I know of where Jesus has healed somebody from far away. Y'all remember the centurion's son that was sick and he came and found Jesus? Yeah. And he said, my son is sick. And, and he went back home and they, when he got home, his son was better and said, 
when did he get better and said yesterday at this certain time and then the centurion knew that that was the exact time he had been talking to Jesus so it shows us that God has omniscient he's omnipotent all powerful and he's omniscient he knows all things and he's omnipresent he is everywhere and so Jesus commanded a demon that was not even in his presence to get out of someone and what happened he got out of her so uh, I guess when especially when it comes to spiritual warfare when it comes to um, fighting the devil that's not our job the battle is the Lord's I got friends that run around with holy water rebuking the devil and doing all that. listen guys the devil yeah the devil would love for you to fight him one angel in the Bible killed 185,000 soldiers in one night in a desert out in a Syrian army out in Jerusalem 185,000 men one angel came in and wiped them out and the devil is the most powerful of all of the angels and do you think he really cares about your holy water and your crosses and you rebuking him he doesn't the one thing that he cannot stand against is the truth of God's word and that is what we should be pouring out on people right that holy water and and you know I, I, I don't know most of y'all are most of y'all are close to my age and when in the 70s late 70s there was a movie that came out called The Exorcist y'all remember that movie and remember how the, the priest went in there and it was like the devil wouldn't love for you to fight with him like that right he would love for me to go into that little clinic down there that I'm in down there at uh, Coastal Harbor and start running around doing exorcism with all those kids. Why does everybody run to the priest when they need the exorcist? <laughs> the priests are the only ones that'll do it. Yeah, yeah they're, the, they're the only ones that'll do it. But but uh, he, he would love that. And and not only that, it would probably get me kicked out of my well, ministry. Yeah, right, right. Because the devil would play along, and he would have them kids vomiting and peeing all over themselves, and like it'd be a mess. Like right. you know what I mean? Yeah. And and so. What I have learned over the past seven years of working in this type of ministry, and again, there is a lot of it is spiritual warfare. There's no doubt. You need to be covered in prayers. I am so thankful for all of the people in our ministry that pray for us as we go out and, and share the gospel. So we need to be covered in prayer. And every day when I go into the clinic, I pray on the armor of God as I walk in there. Like it, And it's real. It's a real spiritual battle. But we use the sword. That's the weapon that he's given us to fight the devil with. Right? That's the weapon we have. All the rest of it is defensive. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, feet shod with the gospel. All of that is defensive. It's the sword. It's the word of God, the power of God that we have that we use to fight. And that's what we need to fight with. So uh, just one last thing. Um, going back to her home, she found, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon left her. And we need to remember that. That last thing I want you to think about today as we leave here is that when Jesus does a work in your life, when God is at work in your life, it will be evident. You will know it. You will know when he's working in your life, and not only will you know it, everyone around, everyone around you will know it too. Yeah, that's okay? right. So, uh, a little bit of a hodgepodge here. We kind of got a little bit scattered today. Uh, but um, I don't think that... Do I see you all next week, Lauren? Uh, is, is that the 5th Tuesday of June? I don't know if it's the 5th or not. Let me look. I anyhow, let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer and we'll figure that out. Father, <clears throat> thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for the folks in this room and their willingness to come and listen and learn. 
I pray that you will give us hearts that are seeking you and hearts that are desirous to know you. I pray that you will help us in our struggles and help us to see your work in our lives and help others to see your work in our lives. Give us the wisdom and the strength and desire to go out and be salt and light in a world that desperately needs you. And I pray that you will help everybody here to continue their walk with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.